Hey, what's up, bar listeners? Before we get into this episode, want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by AGTV. That's right. The people that made the American Gospel documentary has come up with a streaming service app that's pretty much like Netflix for solid biblical content. Go to watch AGTV. Use the code BAR, the number one, to get 10% off the monthly rate. AGTV is so awesome. They also have our very own Just Thinking podcast on there. So you want to make sure you go to watchagtv.com. Use the code BAR, the number one, for 10% off. Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. the bar come on and pull up a seat and open up your bible what a wonderful feast the living bread and we're discussing what it means for the streets the inner cities and the burbs and every person we meet this is where we tell us worldviews that we hear from world news in light of the scripture we are here to serve you we're your source for resources to help you on your way as you battle mean forces this is for the people who can see the importance of sound theology and the scripture that support it and this is for the truth lovers biblically reforming preaching christ to the nations yeah welcome to the the Reformation, yeah. The bar, biblical and reformed. Welcome everybody to the bar. It's your boy Dwayne in the building, right back in here another Tuesday. Super excited as always to be coming through your speakers, through your earbuds, wherever you listen to the bar. We're just grateful that you're listening. And man, I love to start every show out by shouting out and saluting the listeners you guys make this so much fun you make it awesome i really enjoy podcasting if i didn't make a dime which i don't i would do this man just for the interaction just for the connection with so many people being able to to get this to you and 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 these great interviews and like every tuesday i bring you an awesome guest and this guest is a repeat guest but he cannot have the title of my first repeat Ligonier guest because Steve Nichols took that. But we have on none other than my brother, Nathan W. Bingham. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. It's good to talk with you again, Dwayne. Yes, sir. I really appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, definitely always an honor to get anyone from the Ligonier staff. Everyone knows how much Ligonier has been a blessing to the bar. So anytime we get a connection with these guys, we're so humbled and grateful. And Nathan, you've already been on the show. um, But for those that might not have caught that show, uh, I'm gonna give you a chance to kind of do a little brief introduction. And then we'll we'll jump into some questions, man. Yeah, happy to. Uh, so I, I serve, as Ligonier, serve at Ligonier as the Director of Communications. Uh, and as you can probably tell from my accent, I'm originally uh, from Texas. Um, no, I'm, I'm not from Texas. <laughs> originally from Australia. Uh, and I moved here at the beginning of 2012 uh, with my wife and, and three kids at the time. We're now blessed. I'm now blessed to be uh, the father of four. I have a little American living in the house with us. Um, and we relocated here. To, to serve at Ligonier, to 
uh, assist with digital outreach and online outreach. And, and over that time, uh, my responsibilities uh, have increased and, and really privileged to be able to oversee all of the communication uh, through Ligonier Ministries. And as you know, Dwayne, by God's grace, Ligonier is, is reaching millions of people around the world every year. Um, and so mm-hmm. we, we try as, as best we can to uh, steward that opportunity and make sure that what we're saying, whether it's on social media or through a letter in a mailbox uh, or at a conference, is, is clear, uh, is, is helpful, um, and is, is faithful to the Word of God. And um, so we have a wonderful uh, band of teachers, and my, my privilege is just to try and help them uh, get uh, their faithful teaching out. Uh, as I said, whether it's it's online or in print or, or in some other context. So, so grateful to serve here. It's been a wonderful opportunity. It's wonderful to meet Dr. Sproul and to be able to work alongside him in, in many different capacities. And um, it's it's really been a, a privilege of a lifetime. Wow. Awesome, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, that's that's a pretty big responsibility, man. And uh, definitely hats off to you and 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 all Ligonier, man. And so Nathan, I brought you on, man. I've I you know some people might not know this, but you know um, you blog from time to time, and you actually get from behind the camera and behind the switchboard and, and get in front of it from time to time. And one of the things I always love to hear you talk about is you know just technology and social media and and all of that. So that's why I brought you back, and I want to kind of start off with. Um, and, and let me back up. The reason why, another reason why I brought you back for that reason. And also because going into the new year, a lot of people, you know, make the resolutions or, you know, I'm going to do better. I'm going to read my bio. I'm going to do it in a year, you know, or I'm not going to be on my phone as much or whatever it may be. And I figured it'd be good to get some good tips, some good, you know, how to's or, you know, just some, some real life, you know, things that you can add to that, to that space. And so to start the start the questions off, I want to ask you, how can we set boundaries to make sure that social media and our cell phone usage is, first of all, positive and productive? Let's start on that side. Well, I think what we need to recognize is that you're, you're asking a really important question there. Uh, the, the fact that you're asking, you know, what boundaries should we set uh, suggests that you're saying perhaps we actually need to have some boundaries uh, in place. Mm-hmm. And as Christians, we need to recognize we're not um, – technological post-millennialists, just thinking that um, technology is just going to make the world better and better and better, and, and everything about technology is good. We're not, um, we're not technological optimists in the sense that we just assume that only good will come from technology. Uh, technology mm-hmm. has, been, um, ha- has put a lot of good into the world. I'm grateful for technology. It's created a lot of opportunities for us. Uh, but at, th- at the same time, uh, there's been a lot of harm and negative things that come as a result of technology. Uh, if you just look at the printing press, it's wonderful. It, it, it uh, spread the fire of the Reformation through Luther's 95 Theses. You know, that wouldn't have happened without the printing press. But we can all think of mm-hmm. books that we wish hadn't been printed. Um, <laughs> so good and bad things happen with technology. So the fact that you're asking the question, what, what boundaries should we set, um, suggests that you're, you're thinking about it, it, it rightly. Um, you know, if we're, if we're passive in the matter of technology and we do nothing, then we're just going to be carried out to sea and we're going to be, you know, pulled along by the current of culture and we don't want to be getting our guidance from the world. We want to be getting our guidance mm-hmm. from um, the Word of God. 
Uh, so I, I really do think that if more Christians simply asked that question, like, hmm, what, what boundaries should I be setting? And they pondered on that, even without listening to this podcast episode, then I think we'd actually save ourselves from a lot of grief, a lot of angst, and a lot of the uh, sinful behaviors that we see online and in our technology use, and even you know, just the, the unhelpful um, ways that we can use technology, even if it doesn't cross the line in being sinful. So I really think that it would be a huge win and a huge positive if Christians actually did just determine, um, I'm going to take just a few moments and actually think about and evaluate how I use technology, how I use my smartphone, mm. how I use social media, and consider for themselves, does that align with their beliefs? Is that the best use of their time? Because uh, honestly, I really think that most people are not thinking about this. They're not having these conversations. And that's why we see a lot of the, the wasted time or the unhelpful conversations online or whatever the case may, uh, may be. Um, but, but, but I think if a good starting place, if we've decided we want to consider boundaries that we could put in place for our technology use and, and social media and things like that, a, a good first question to ask is when you think of your, your technology, your smartphone, whatever it might be, is it right now a tool that you use or is it your master? And mm. if you consider what is dictating what you're doing throughout, you know, the minutes or hours of the day, some of us are going to conclude that, you know, our smartphone has almost become our master. It mm -hmm. beeps at us and we pick it up. It mm -hmm. doesn't beep at us and we pick it up just in case we miss the beep, <laughs> you know, and, and it's become the master. We're, we're all of that. Um, so when we recognize that our devices and our usage of social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, has just become this habit that we're doing without even thinking, and we're allowing what should be good tools in our life to actually be our master, we recognize that that's not, that's not helpful, um, and that these should be tools. Um, we can then you know, begin to, to ask some really further helpful questions about whether or not our usage um, is aligning with, with Scripture. And, and when you realize that it should be a tool and not your master, then, then you see that you, or for the Christian, ultimately the Word of God should be the, mm. the guiding force. Um, we're, we're all mm -hmm. looking for a social media policy, like how do we use social media well, and we're trying to invent a lot of these things and, and think through these things, when ultimately we already have a social media policy. It's the Word of God. Uh, it already speaks mm. to how Christians should communicate, how Christians should use their time. You know, if we're slacking off uh, at work and, um, you know, we're wasting time flipping through Facebook when we're meant to be on the job, you know, are we serving or doing our job as if unto the Lord? Um, mm. If we're um, <laughs> sitting down at the dinner table and instead of leading our families and caring for our families, we're glued to our iPhone or maybe our work email inbox, even though we've been in email all day, we get home and we're meant to be with our families and we're flipping through email, you know, is that an appropriate use of, of this device or this tool? And so I think when you, when you put it in those categories and realize that social media, the devices we have, they can be used for good, they're good gifts from God, but they should be our tool and we should master mm -hmm. them in align with the word of God, then it, it helps us navigate what is, you know, really a difficult uh, path for many of us. And I think largely just because we're not 
thinking about it. Right. No, that's, that is so spot on, man. And, uh, you know, everybody know me on my podcast. I'm real. Like when you were saying that I was raising my hand, like, yeah, that's, that's me. I look when it's not beeping. I look when it's beeping, you know? Uh Um, and you know, that, that, you know, the thing is, that speaks to me. Some, sometimes when I'm talking to people about this subject, it, it can be a little bit discouraging because we have this conversation. Everyone's like, oh, man, that's me. That's me. Um, <laughs> and, and we realize we're all guilty of these things. Um, and, you know, Luther said that the Christian life is meant to be a life of repentance. Talking about mm-hmm, technology, mm-hmm. talking about social media is not meant to leave the Christian in despair. Um, we're, we're having this conversation to recognize, you know what, maybe we're not using these tools and devices uh, and platforms in the best way. Um, but, but we have hope. And we, we can repent mm-hmm. and we can ask for God's grace, ask for his help. Um, we have, you know, the, the great promise of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So whatever path these tools may have led us down, there is hope there um, for mm-hmm. repentance, for cleansing, for renewal. Um, and we're not putting confidence into the fact that, well, it was January 1. It's a new year. I'm going to muster the strength in myself. Um, but <laughs> leaning upon Christ, we can try and walk a, a better path forward, one that honors Christ more. And we know, as, as, as Luther said, the Christian life is a life of repentance. We're, we're going to get it wrong, and I get it wrong. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It, it's not going to be a perfect journey. Um, but there, there is hope there. And um, we, we should take encouragement, I think, from the gospel and apply that to this area as well. Amen. Amen, man. That, thank you. Look, because <laughs> I was feeling that. I was like, man, then, yeah, you're right. It, we, we can repent. That was just for you, Dwayne, really. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, and so it's going to help somebody else, too. Somebody is listening, man. I, I hope that helped you, man. Now, that, that was that was spot on and honest, and, and, and I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. All right, sir, next question. Which actually hits home again, because um, <laughs> uh, I have a two-year-old, four-year-old, 11, 18, and uh, sometimes the two-year-old and four-year-old, you know, if they get rowdy, I can pull out the old trusty iPad and put it on YouTube Kids, and and um, and I can get some mm-hmm. stuff done, man, so... Help us parents, man. I mean, I you know, you got you got babies too, so you know the game, you know. Um, how can we uh I don't know, keep from current turning our kids into uh tech zombies, man, because it happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, just for full disclosure, my oldest is twelve, and I have a ten and nine year old and a four and a half year old. So some of this, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in the midst of navigating someone that's almost a teenager. Um, and then we have, you know, the, the four and a half year old as well, who, you know, sometimes it feels like the best option is, you know, as you said, put a device <laughs> in front of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, something I think this is a little bit when I think about this question, um, I don't often hear people answer it the way I'm going to answer it. And so hopefully okay. it um, encourages your listeners to just think about it in a little bit more of a personal way. Um, and it might hit too close to home, but I, I think it's true that, that one of the reasons that parents struggle to shepherd their kids when it comes to using technology, using social media, is because we struggle to shepherd ourselves in this area. Um, mm. I, it, it scares me or makes me nervous 
to put rules in place for my children about how they use mm-hmm. technology because then I'm mm-hmm. convicted that perhaps those same limitations <laughs> should hit me. Um, I want to tell my kids, don't use your device at the dinner table, but I want to use my device at the dinner table. Or I want to tell my kids, don't take the iPad into your bedroom at night and watch YouTube videos. And I don't want to say that because does that mean maybe I shouldn't be spending all hours of the night watching Netflix and doing whatever myself? Um, so I think part of the conversation is short-circuited because we want to give our kids free reign so that we can have free reign in the technology area as well. And when we begin thinking about shepherding our children, it becomes convicting, comes a little bit close to home. Um, and I think that's where the conversation is breaking down. And I really do think mm-hmm. that if parents began to look at mom and dad and say, how are we using technology in the home, um, that the children will begin to model that. Um, I, I think one of the greatest disservices that I will do to my kids is that they will likely grow up like me. They're going to inherit my technological sins. Um, mm. And they're not even going to think twice about how they use their device, how they browse social media or what they post because they're just like, well, that, I, that's what I see mom doing. That's what I see dad doing. And they're going to think that's normal. Um, so if we, if we want to shepherd our children and give them um, the best opportunity to navigate this turbulent technological age, we need to make sure that we are using technology well. And that's hard. And I, as I said before, we're going we're gonna to mess up. We're going to have to repent. We're going to have to, you know, walk, let's begin that, that walk again. Um, but I really do think it begins with mom and dad. And some of the things I've been thinking about, and they, these are kind of simple, practical questions you can ask, um, but you can, you, you can have this conversation with your spouse or, um, you know, if you're single, you know, just with yourself, think through these things. But some questions you can ask is like, where do you put your devices? Um, mm. are, are you taking your device with you to your bedroom? Like if, if, if your iPhone or if your iPads are in the bedroom, then you're likely tempted to be using it, uh, to be watching mm-hmm. television, binge watching shows to all hours of the night or when you wake up grabbing your phone and going straight to social media. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with watching Netflix in your bedroom, uh, but you can ask these questions and say, for you at this time in your life, is this a helpful thing? Knowing that with the devices being present, it, it may encourage you to uh, deprive yourself of sleep, which is going to impact you the next day. Uh, maybe it's, it's going to mean you're neglectful in your marriage because instead of a husband and wife talking um, and, uh, and those kinds of things, you're instead both glued to your own screens. Um, so, so asking a question like, where, where does your device live at night? And I do want to, I do, want to do a caveat here because it, I, I know people that put their phone uh, like in their kitchen and they put it on charge out of their bedroom at night. Um, and I, I don't do that for my phone. And the reason I don't do that is more of a security or safety reason. I don't actually have a telephone in our bedroom. Um, you know, mm-hmm. one of those modern people that only has a cell phone. And personally, <laughs> I'm convinced I, I want to be able to call 911 if I need to. Um, so mm-hmm. I do have a phone in my bedroom. And I think that's a helpful thing to think through. Um, but if you have a telephone in your bedroom or maybe you have, you have it away from your bed, it's not on your nightstand and things like that, um, you can ask, uh, ask the similar question about what do you do with your phone during mealtimes. I brought that up a couple of mm. times already, but you know, perhaps you make the, the meal table to be a no phone zone. 
Um, mm-hmm. And people are putting it, they're leaving them in the kitchen, leaving them somewhere where else. Um, you, can, you can ask questions about what, what apps will you allow to be on your phone? Have, have you ever considered, are there certain apps you would or wouldn't download on your phone? Have you ever asked the question, should you be able to um, download apps at all? I know people that have their phone locked with, with, with a code and they, they have an accountability partner that if they want to get mm-hmm. a new app, they actually get their friend to unlock that setting so they can download the app because they know there are certain temptations, certain apps that are, have been unhelpful for them. And they're like, I've removed it from my phone and I don't want the temptation on a Saturday afternoon to just download it um, and go back down an unhelpful path. Um, you know, the technology has, uh, you know, certain apps you can get, or the iPhone has this built in now screen time features. You can mm-hmm. set uh, settings to only allow you to use apps for a certain amount of time a day um, and, and those kinds of things. So you might want to think through using technology to try and help you in that area. But, but that's a kind of a dangerous path as well because the ultimate hope or the ultimate cure to sin and uh, distractedness and not being productive on, on social media is, is not using technology to save you from it. Uh, we, we, if, if it's a sinful thing, we want to repent, we want to go to Christ and pray that our minds would be renewed, that our lives would be transformed in that particular area and we'd grow in holiness um, and not just not do sinful things because technology is stopping you and there's been no heart change. But at the same time, these kind of actual boundaries, limits, or using technology to hinder you going down that path, I think they're helpful. And while they're available, mm-hmm. uh, I think we should make use of them. And they can be particularly good you know, for children. Um, Tim Challies has a wonderful article, and he's done a great lot of work on what he calls the, the porn-free family. If you just Google Tim mm-hmm. Challies' porn-free family, he goes through internet filters and how you can implement some of these things in your family life to try and protect your children. I think all of those things are wonderful and, and helpful. Um, and you're, you're preventing people seeing things they can't unsee or hearing things they can't mm-hmm. unhear. Mm-hmm. Um, but our ultimate goal is not to have children that can't sin externally because we've put filters in place. You know, ultimately we want them to trust Christ and uh, to be right. regenerate and, have new life and have the Holy Spirit. Um, but to bring this full circle, I do think the way we help our kids not become technological zombies is to, to really pray <laughs> and to think about these things as parents and make sure that we're not technological zombies. Um, and mm. if we're open to challenging how we use technology ourselves, then um, I think that will flow out uh, into the lives of our children and help us make better and wiser choices uh, for them. Right. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Right here, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. The Men's Muster is a ministry aimed at equipping men to protect, provide, and preside to the glory of God in their homes, churches, and communities. The Men's Muster seeks to do this by providing Christ-centered, gospel-driven content in the form of Podcasts, Bible studies, blog post articles, sermons, and many more. Please check us out at mensmuster.com and listen to our podcast available on all major platforms. Grace and peace. 
All right, we're back in here with my brother, Mr. Nathan W. Um, having a really good time talking about technology and uh, children and and learning how to 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 I guess navigate so we won't be technology zombies and uh, really good points, Tim. And it's funny because you mentioned Tim Chalice. That's uh, another guest that I'm working on for this month to talk about that aspect of it as well. Um, and and um, and hopefully this is helpful to the listeners. Um, usually we get into the you know the signature question, fun stuff, whatever. But uh, since you've already kind of answered those, I wanted to kind of keep going with the ones that I had because um, I love one of the quotes that you say, and I don't know if it's an original, but you said you always say you know think twice, you know post once or think twice, tweet once type deal. Um, for for those of us you know uh that have you know like a ministry or you know me with a podcast um what what kind of ways should we think about when we're what kind of things should we think about when we're talking about communicating um or spreading you know doing good i guess on social media let's get into that part as far as you know uh ways that we could use technology uh, uh for for the upbuilding of the kingdom and glorifying god well, I, I, I think that's an original quote for me. Think twice, post once, or tweet once. Um, but, you know, right. I get that from the building trades. Measure, measure twice, cut once. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we want to kind of have that mentality when it comes to social media. Um, and, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, I, I was saying that so much stuff would be – we wouldn't fall into so much error or has so many issues, if people just stop to ask themselves the question, like, should there be boundaries here? Like, people are not pausing and just thinking about how they're using technology. So if people seriously, just before they tweeted, just thought about whether or not this was helpful, um, I think it would stop a lot of the damage that social media has caused. Uh, I really do think it's true to say that I've deleted more tweets, and like draft tweets, than I've ever mm-hmm. posted or tweeted out there. Um, but a lot mm-hmm. of people don't have a filter and just whatever comes to mind, you know, they're, they're just sharing. And James tells us to be uh, slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, I, I don't know who it said that, you know, there's a reason that God gave us two ears and one mouth. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think if, if we just paused and thought and listened more than we kind of spoke on social media, it would be so helpful for the Christian community and the Christian witness um, online. But you, you, you bring up the subject, how can we use technology for good and try and do good work out there and do ministry out there? I, I've said this before, pixels of people. Um, I wrote an article hmm. titled that for Table Talk magazine. Uh, if you Google pixels of people, Table Talk um, or Nathan, you'll, you'll find that come up on Google. And I, and I talk about this idea, but there, there are many implications from recognizing that pixels are people. And one of them is knowing that this pixelated world out there online is actually made up of people. And there's over 4 billion internet-connected internet people out there right now. And they, they need truth. They need the gospel. They need Christ, just like you and I need him and need the truth. And so we need to recognize that this, this pixelated, internet-based world uh, is full of people and there is um, there is an opportunity to be salt and light. Uh, if the church were to retreat right now, 
uh, it would only be darkness. And so we have this opportunity to be light there, to be helpful, to offer resources. And, you know, the Christian community can be built up through this technology, through podcasts like this and, and other, other teachings. Um, the, the opportunity you have to build community online and to engage with people you may have, you know, not had the opportunity before is, is unprecedented. The internet really gives you the, the biggest or loudest microphone in the history of the world. It, it kind of dwarfs the printing press. Um, and so that's a, that's a two-sided coin. It means there is this remarkable, incredible opportunity that we have to speak of Christ, to, to model what a Christian life looks like, to be engaged in conversation with our community or with our culture and to be a voice. Um, but it also means that we need to be really, really careful um, because it's, it's, it can be dangerous. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you have the largest platform in the world, you want to be careful what you're saying. You want to be thoughtful. So again, it's going back to this think twice, post once. Just, just stop and pause and ask yourself whether or not what you are doing is, is helpful. I, I'd like to summarize um, kind of a thought process that I try to go through. I don't, I don't always do this well. Um, I, as I said before, I, I, I mess up just like you know, we, we all do, um, and I'm mm-hmm. sure I will in the future. But you know, Jesus summarized the law in saying that you know, to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And if we ask those two questions before we do things online, does this show my love for God? Does this bring glory to God? Um, that, that one question, I think, would stop us posting or sharing a lot of things. Uh, we do need to recognize that we can do all things to the glory of God. It doesn't mean every post or tweet or use of technology has to be explicitly a Christian one. Um, but we want to make sure that what we're doing is not dishonoring to God or we're not doing mm-hmm. something that God commands we shouldn't. Um, but if we ask that first question, does this glorify God? Does this bring glory to him? Is this in line with what God calls me to do as one of his followers? That that cuts off a lot of junk that we, we shouldn't be doing or sharing online. The second question then comes, does this in, in some way show love to my neighbor? Is this helpful for them? Does this encourage someone online by me sharing this? Does this challenge someone in a, in a godly way online? Does this bring joy? Like, I think you can share something funny or a joke or whatever uh, on social media. I think that's acceptable and you're kind of bringing joy to someone. Um, is this mm-hmm. modeling what a, what a godly marriage looks like? There's so many people in our culture today that, that don't know what a biblical marriage looks like because their idea of a, Christian, of a family, not a Christian family, but their idea of a family is kind of the Simpsons or some sitcom that mm-hmm. makes dad out mm-hmm. to look like he's just dumb and he's not leading the home. And um, I, I see some conversations online between non-Christians where I'm reading wives complaining about their husbands online or husbands writing about, you know, um, their dissatisfaction with their wives or whatever. And they're, they're having these public conversations that are destructive and totally against what a Christian marriage uh, should look like. And it's because they're unbelievers. They don't, they don't know what marriage looks like. So I, I do think there can be something helpful when uh, a Christian husband and wife 
say, share a selfie of a date night. It doesn't mean every time you go on a mm -hmm, date night mm -hmm. you should be doing that, but <laughs> in a certain context, you can be demonstrating that, you know what, I actually love my wife. And believe right. it or not, my wife enjoys spending time with me, and we can speak together, um, and we can have conversations after um, if we just celebrated 14 years, and we still are, are oh. best friends. And, you know, that's, that's a strange concept for many people in our, in our culture. Uh, but um, I, I have a public Twitter account. I'm not usually posting lots of pictures of me and my wife on my public Twitter account because I kind of have a different goal for that account, who, who I'm talking to. But for my private, personal Facebook page where I'm connected to old high school friends and it's a very smaller group and it's not open to the public, I'm doing those kinds of things more often because mm -hmm. I want them to mm -hmm. see what life can look like when Jesus changes it. Um, and so mm -hmm. if you ask those questions about what is, what is my intention in posting this? Um, is it showing any kind of love to my neighbor? Um, and, and I think the core of this is saying that when we're using these tools, when we're using these platforms, as Christians, we should be having an external focus. We want to be looking outside of ourselves looking to God, is this glorifying him? Looking to our neighbor, does this um, show any kind of love to them? Is this helpful for them? Are we sharing something of value? Um, are we contributing something? And when you ask those couple of questions, it really does um, help make you kind of question some of your updates. And you may choose to not post things that you would have otherwise, that they may still be okay. But just by stopping and pausing and sleeping on it mm -hmm. almost, um, you choose not to post some things. It may actually even sharpen some of what you're sharing um, and realize, mm. you know what, I could say this in a different way and make it more helpful, mm -hmm. more beneficial to whether it's the Christian community, to unbelievers, or you know, some other community you're connected to online. So I think those two questions are really, really helpful. Uh, Dwayne, I don't yeah. know if you know about uh, something that Ligonier launched early last year but I think this is a wonderful example of using uh, technology well. But January uh, 2017, no, t sorry, the calendar's will change. January 2018, yeah, we're in 2019 now. So last mm -hmm. January, we launched Ask Ligonier, or as Americans say, Ask Ligonier. Um, Love it. And it, you, so you know about Ask Ligonier? I know about it, brother. I've been all over that thing. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Um, so for those listening that don't know, it's our biblical and theological uh, chat service. So 24 hours a day, six days a week, people can go uh, to ask or ask. It's so confusing with accents here, but <laughs> ask.ligonier.org, and they can go and talk to a live agent uh, that's well-trained, and they can go and you can ask them your biblical and theological questions. And they can go and give you uh, a trusted answer. They can point you to a resource. Mm -hmm. They can point you to Dr. Sproul's library of teaching. Um, you, of course, can ask these questions if you want to talk to the Ligonier Twitter account or Facebook account or email us. Um, but we now have people in multiple time zones, multiple continents, so that 24 hours a day, six days a week, we can answer those biblical or theological questions. Um, and it's, it's born out of this recognition that we have this powerful tool um, this powerful microphone, as I said, and realizing that we have this opportunity that we don't want to neglect. Um, and the Lord has blessed mm -hmm. Ligonier with a, with a wealth of helpful, faithful teaching. And so 
our job now is just to ask the question, how can we get this to more people? And we thought this was right. um, a really helpful way to do that. Mm, yes. Yeah, I, lo- I love it, man. Um, uh, the, the representatives are uh, quick to respond. <laughs> And, you know, uh, you know, I think I've, I like trying to test it out a little bit, you know, and then now because, you, you know, usually you go to Google, you know, you're trying to figure something out or somebody ask you something. But, man, you can hit that the ask Ligonier, you know, as long as it's not the Lord's Day, but any other day. <laughs> you can hey, hit but that believe and, me, uh, we really tried to solve it that we could have people working um, Monday to Saturday and different mm-hmm. continents, continents and time zones. So it could be 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, but we have some issue. We need some people in Samoa and some other places to try and hit every time zone. So we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, but it, it's yeah. a real challenge if you want to be able to have someone somewhere in the world 24 hours a day and, and not land on the Lord's Day somewhere. Um, so, But mm. we're trying to crack that nut if we can. Nice. That is awesome. That That is an awesome tool. And uh, and I hope my listeners hope you go check it out. Um, really, really good thing to have. And that that's like you said, it's a really good example of using it uh, to glorify God, man, to get uh, biblical truth out there. Uh, something that Ligonier has always been about, um, even, you know, in, in the, the, the early stages. I think um, I think it was Steve Nichols said that. Dr. Sproul used to always say it, it was Ligonier was between. Um, uh, Sunday school and seminary, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's, that's so, that's so cool, man. Well, Nate, man, you, you actually, you, you rocked the house, man. You, you already kind of closed us out and, and gave us some really good nuggets and a lot of good information. Um, anything you want to say, you know, any last words before we get out of here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, firstly, just thank you for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and, uh, I'm grateful for, for what you're doing online and, and, and thankful for the opportunity to have this, this conversation because, you know, as I've been saying, I think a lot of these issues happen because we're not asking these questions. We're not thinking about it. Mm. So it, it really blessed me that you, you reached out to me and that you're thinking about these things. Um, but I was, I was reflecting as we came to this new year and was thinking about Twitter and Twitter in 2018 and I don't know if this is just my vantage point and where I'm at Twitter, but tw- uh, 2018 just did not seem like a great year for Twitter from the Christian perspective. I really kind mm-hmm. of felt like uh, it was like the year of the troll. Like there just seemed to be so much <laughs> angst. And, you know, if, if I was looking back, and of course I work in communications, just like 2018 was the year that I'm doubly reminded that we just have to be so careful about everything we say. Because if you get one even small thing wrong, you know, there are a hundred trolls to jump on your back. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it's very, very different to the Twitter of 10 years ago. Um, and the Christian conversations that were happening then, although we're boldly declaring truth and, you know, people are not compromising or doing anything like that. But the, just the, the whole, vibe, I'll just say the vibe of Twitter was very different 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so, you know, my challenge to, to some of your listeners would just be to think on John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Um, and again, that doesn't mean we can't disagree and do things like that. Uh, but just imagine what the Christian witness could look like if we took that verse more seriously 
and ask ourselves, am, am I showing love to my brother here? Am I showing love to my sister here? It seems like the default position on social media is to assume the worst. There is no judgment of charity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm thankful that, you know, I haven't had someone kind of jump down my neck too badly, but I watch <laughs> a lot of conversations with a lot of people mm-hmm. and man, it, it really does not seem reflective of this verse. And if people could just give the judgment of, of charity and assume the best until they know that there was malicious intent or, you know, worst of intentions and things like that. So I would challenge your audience to just meditate on John 13, 35 and ask themselves, you know, when they're using social media, um, is it showing the world that, that we're Jesus disciples because we have love for the brethren? Mm, that that's so good, man. My my Twitter was the same way. Um, trolls and and just a lot of bickering and yeah. I, 2018 was pretty rough. <laughs> it yeah, was pretty yeah. rough as far as that goes, man. Um, and 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 you know, kind of piggyback on that, man. That's that's kind of my my even my stance. You know, you know, we stand on truth. Uh, we never compromise that, but you know, like I always look at those situations, like I got brothers on both sides. Like I can't, you know, mm-hmm. I can't say this or do this. You know, I got brothers on both sides and, um, and, and, and I just, I have to always be mindful of that. And, and it's, it's always good to get that confirmation, man. Nathan, uh, again, thank you, sir, for coming on the bar, man, blessing us with, uh, your wisdom and your time, man. So grateful for you and for looking near you guys are just just awesome and, and we got mad love for you guys here at the bar to the listeners make sure you check us out every tuesday favorite podcast make sure you check out everything on the bar podcast network monday we have pastor discussion tuesday of course the bar and wednesday just thinking and uh thursday bars biblical reform spitters and friday you can catch up and listen to all your favorite stuff from the week make sure you go to the bargear.com get some fresh bar gear we got toboggans or beanies depends on where you're from we got hoodies sweaters sweatshirts uh t-shirts we don't have pants yet or shoes but one day that might happen if y'all keep supporting your boy until next time y'all god bless and we're out
What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get a invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the vip inside the bar group and we'll see you there